Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 13. We've got a bit of a fun one coming up. We're going to talk about our dream trails and hiking movies. So Donovan, you love your hiking, as we all know, your dream trails. We're going to start with like an Australia and an overseas one. So you just want to give us your top five Australia dream trails. Yeah, this is, uh, I guess, you know, with this kind of thing, you could write a list that's probably a hundred deep. And I think I have such a spreadsheet somewhere. Um, I'm sure you do as well, Mark. Yeah, no, so I've not gone that far because I've seen my bank balance and it won't allow me to dream that high. <laughs> yeah, I think I have a it's probably like a certain, you know, fatalistic kind of thinking of like, oh, I'm, I've got to get this all done before I die. I better write a list and, you know, I probably will never get all of them done, but let's see how many we can do. But there's five... I think there are five trails that are very much on my list of things that I want to do. One would be the Australian Alpine Walking Trail, which stretches from Victoria through New South Wales into the ACT. The Larapinta Trail in the West McDonald's in the Northern Territory. The Thorsburn Trail, which I was going to be doing this year, but I'm not going to be doing anymore. And that's on Hinchinbrook Island in Queensland. And two Tasmanian trails out of many, many Tasmanian trails I want to do. I include the West Arthurs Traverse and the South Coast Track. So those are the five that I really want to do in Australia. Um, I am going to be doing Walls of Jerusalem later this year, but I'm thinking long-term dream trails since that's going to be a reality trail soon. Yeah, I understand. So for my five trails for Australia, I've kind of picked one from each state, um, except for Queensland, sorry, Queensland, um, that I want to do. So I've got from the Northern Territory, the Larapinta Trail, just like you. From South Australia, I've got the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Track. Tasmania are kind of a ummed and ard, whether it was the Overland Track or the West Arthurs Traverse. And I think the overland site you could probably do at any stage of your life so i've gone with the west arthur's traverse um, which will probably be a little little tougher physically which i think i'd be able to handle at this stage in my life uh victoria i would go the great ocean walk and new south wales i'm kind of cheating here a bit because it's technically classified as new south wales but it's not really and that's the seven peaks walk on lord howe island oh awesome and um, yeah, I completely forgot about Victoria actually in terms of, um, I probably should put the Grampians Peak Trail on there instead of the AWT, but I'll keep it as it is. Yeah, no, I definitely had a few, a couple from Victoria. I had Wilson's Prom on there as well, um, just as like a day hiking. And I know they've got a multi-day trail in there as well. And yeah, had the yep. AAWT as well, but I've heard it's kind of not terribly easy to follow or prepare for. So I kind of left it off. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen um, Going Feral blog. He just did the um, AAWT recently, and his, it's been really interesting to see his journey. And he said that there was a section more towards the the New South Wales ACT part that looks quite good and, and well marked compared to some of the other sections. And I was thinking that would be a good taster bit to, to do at some stage. Yeah, certainly I've seen a lot of photos recently of the Alpine Huts um, and they're actual huts, and they just look breathtaking. So to rock up to one of those after a day's hiking, just that would do it for me. So that was like it was a hard choice to leave it off, but it's the trail as a whole. Um, that experience probably wouldn't have been ideal. Yeah, I guess that that's the thing. Thinking about it now, I'm I'm questioning <laughs> whether as a whole trail it would be it would be as spectacular as some of the others. Like I think Great Ocean Walk would probably be more spectacular like i guess it would be kind of like comparing the bibbleman to the cape to cape in that the bibbleman has some long sections that are kind of okay whereas the cape to cape is mostly excellent from start to finish yeah i agree with that um yeah so that's kind of why i put the great great ocean walk on there because there's a few longer trails in there like the larapinta and the west arthurs would be a bit difficult so i had to do it all in one year that's the the list that i would choose so we'll Talk a little bit about the trails that we both like. Uh, what would draw you or what does draw you to somewhere like the Larapinta? The reason why the Larapinta is something that I want to do is that I really enjoyed my time up in Karajini last year. 
And that was my first real trip to the outback. And experiencing that kind of rugged, ancient desert landscape was just, it was really, for me, that was one, probably one of the best national park landscapes that I've seen in Australia. And, and because it's so different, because I think on the West Coast, you get different types of rainforest and they all have their own special appeal. But what I like about, I think, that, that desert climate is that it's, it's just so alien and you think it wouldn't be as beautiful as it is but it really is stunning and so i've heard the larapinta is just amazing from start to finish and in terms of you know a long multi-day trail that it's it's got a lot going for it whereas some other trails that are as long have their ho-hum kind of days yeah certainly for me it's kind of that thing where you don't want everything to be the same and we don't have a multi-distance um sorry a multi-day hike in wa that is anything like the lara pinto even though we have definitely such great terrain for it it's like we're missing out so you'd have to go to the northern territory for that and again like it's as australia is marketed to the world not necessarily how we see australia so it's kind of that like rugged ancient outback basically which we don't get to see much unless we drive a thousand kilometers from perth so to be able to spend was it like 10 or 12 days depending on how long or how short your days are you know that's long enough and if you avoid the the really really hot part of the year it makes for a great experience from what i've read yeah certainly i think a lot of people who have have done it have said it's you know it's it's one of the great trails in australia and and even tasmanians will begrudgingly say yeah it probably deserves a place in the top 10 when they normally kind of shun anything on the mainland as being as good as tasmania yeah but they kind of they have enough like epic walking trails that they can kind of throw us a bone every now and then for the mainland (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um and i guess that's you know the west arthur traverse is something that you know i I, i'm sure that you probably like me see you see you're, you're seeing it constantly on instagram and that that classic view of like from the top of the peak down to the lake mm. just makes me just want to do it yeah and just the whole challenge of it like when walking with wide did it and she was only doing six or seven k's a day i thought wow that must be some serious terrain and every report yeah, I've yeah. read, every photo I've seen just, yeah, fuels that fire that I want to go over and do that and do it properly as well. Yeah, a ranger that we met in Tassie said that that was probably his favourite trail. He said that and the South Coast Track are his two favourites. But he did say the West Arthur Traverse is, you know, <laughs> is one of those where it really pushes you to the extreme end of, of what you can do. Mm. And I mean, we kind of compared the Stirling Ridge Walk to the West Arthurs, but in terms of like sheer just kind of physicality and trudging through mud and depending on what weather you get like snow and sleeting rain and winds and everything it really doesn't compare as you know tough as the Stirling Ridge Walk is yeah I think the the West Arthurs are probably it's that notch above that kind of puts it over the top yeah I think it's that you know it's the the fact that it's much longer so you can do the Stirling Ridge Walk I mean some crazy people as we talked about last week have done it in one day but you know i think the average person does it in two or three but it is just two or three days so you can pick that window whereas you know it's very hard to get a week of fantastic weather in tasmania mm-hmm. indeed yeah i don't think you'd ever be able to plan that <laughs> perfectly and expect you know sunshine all the time although that kind of would add to it a bit having kind of some moody mist and you know the occasional rainstorm every now and then you've got to be got to be tested while you're out in the west arthurs yeah now i had a question mark nothing from from queensland on your list no um i kind of queensland's a bit of a hiking like i mm, it's hard to explain like i haven't really done much research into queensland because i really didn't think there was much there apart from lamington national park and yeah i mean i've seen all of your trails that you've been putting up and they all look fantastic and then doing a bit more research today i was just like yeah there's actually quite a few uh, trails in queensland that look quite good so i would love to put one on i just haven't you know gone through and had a, a good look at kind of what would suit me as a hiker Mm. We were going to go to do the Thorsbyn Trail in July, um, and I'm a little bit sad. That, well, technically, I still still am booked in, but I think we probably will cancel because I think I'll be Queenslanded out by that stage. But it is something that, from 
a lot of people I know who have done it have said that it was just a, an amazing experience of just being on an island and walking in, you know, we barely, you sometimes don't even see another person for the whole day. Yeah, this and um, yeah, this one came up on my, sound- my research today. Um, it's the one where you have to get picked up and dropped off by boat, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. They they to pick you up at I think it's Cardwell, and then the other side is can't remember the town, but they drop you off there on the island and um there's a lot of beautiful kind of waterfalls in in the middle of the forest which you you kind of need because of how hot it is to be honest i i you know i'm loving the walking here but the humidity is is terrible yeah um, and i can imagine it being even worse in far north queensland yeah especially i know there's something about far north queensland where there's crocodiles and that's where like the snakes and the spiders and everything are like i'm not too bad with (laughs) wildlife but yeah crocodiles i just would feel uneasy going anywhere near water yeah i think that that's something that even though we we you know had committed to doing the thorsman trail there was that fear of the crocodiles and you know when i told my folks they said don't do it there's crocodiles there but apparently you know you see photos of uh school kids going there for camping trips so yeah mustn't be too bad you know it mustn't be too bad not sure what uh crazy bob catter's on about then yeah we should be focusing not on gay marriage but people in queensland getting eaten by crocodiles i think that's a lot more important to australia um definitely if you're from north (laughs) queen north far north queensland to the rest of us, though, it's just like to worry about if we ever visit the area. Yep. <laughs> so we've covered off Queensland and Victoria with the AAWT. What was your reason for nothing in South Australia? You know, the thing is, I actually was talking to, to a guy at work today who has done a lot of bus touring. He was a coach driver throughout the country and he said the Flinders ranges are amazing. And it is something that is definitely on my list. But it's so hard, you know, like if, if you're going to pick something, so like, you know, I had to pick one Outback experience and it was going to be Larapinta. But, you know, Wilpina Pound is definitely on my list of places to check out and the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail is definitely one that, you know, I, I've heard a lot of good things about. You had that on your list, didn't you? Yeah, I had the Kangaroo Island one. I think I'm probably a bit of a victim of the marketing and kind of like, wow, it's brand new. But, you know, it just looks like an amazing place to visit. And there's not only just the hiking there that, to enjoy, there's, you know beaches and wildlife and everything else um some great food apparently so yeah and i'd also looked yeah. at the heisen trail as well but that was kind of from what i'd seen it was like a, it was another bibbleman like if i had to do this in reality which is a, a long way off if it's ever going to happen it would probably get sacrificed just because of the the sheer length of it mm. I think I've heard the Bibbleman uh, versus Heisen description as people saying the Heisen's like the Bibbleman with slightly better scenery, sometimes even much better scenery, but much, much, much worse facilities. Mm, and that's the thing, like if you're going to have a really long distance trail like the Heisen, like you can't expect people to carry tons of food and have to find their own water and yeah i think that kind of tipped me over the edge like we've got the billman here i can do that almost whenever i want so yeah sorry heisen i had to uh scrap you for the kangaroo island wilderness trail fair enough i think so lord Howe, what's the the trail i know that they have the the peak there that's that always has guided trails but is there a multi-day there yeah so you can there's seven peaks throughout the island and there's a trail that all hooks them all up it just looks amazing like you know from the ocean these giant tall peaks it just reminds me a bit of hawaii and i'd love just to go out there and like kind of do something that not a lot of people do like i know it's getting more popular these days but to be able to go out you know climb a mountain and then just be surrounded by ocean that would just be amazing to me and you know you'd get some pretty awesome shots doing it too it is as you say like even though it is getting more popular i think it it's the tyranny of distance has still made it a bit of a special thing that you know not a lot of people have done because it is quite far off the new south wales coast to get there Mm. yeah it would almost be cheaper probably to go to hawaii which would be one of (laughs) my (laughs) one of my hiking destinations as well yeah that kind of like western south pacific it always just reminds me of like you visit there on cruise ships you don't go there specifically just to visit that one island Um, but lord howe is definitely somewhere i would go just to visit that island i think that that sort of you know as you say the expensive nature of actually getting there uh, and being cheaper probably to fly to hawaii is one of those reasons that something like um 
Picaninny Gorge in the in Penalulu didn't make my list because while it looks spectacular and looks like it would be a fantastic multi-day hike, the fact that to get there is so expensive compared to going to the Northern Territory, that that sort of cost aspect I think sometimes makes it less attractive a thing to do. Yeah, I know what you mean. Same with going to the Kimberley in the north. Like it's a destination I would only go to on the like with a paid tour and they're quite expensive. Right, yeah. Like you wouldn't fly up there and then hire a car and drive around because even if you hire a car it's still thousands of kilometers to get anywhere. And the car hire rates if you want a four wheel drive is bloody expensive up there. Yeah. You know, it's it's um you're looking at probably spending thousands upon thousands of dollars in car hire. Yeah, but I mean, as Rod said in episode seven, they're looking at more multi-day hikes up there. So you never know, we might be able to get a, a cheaper option. Yeah, and that's, that's certainly, I guess, you know, in talking about dream trails, having someone build a multi-day hike in either Pernalulu or somewhere in the Kimberley is something that would be a dream for me, I think. Mm, well, fingers crossed, maybe one day. And kind of yeah. like on that topic of unlimited money, let's move to our overseas dream trails because this is kind of like a <laughs> yeah. you need a lot of money just to get to some of these places. So then to you know cut all your hiking gear and you know spend months or weeks on end out there is kind of yeah it's one powerball kind of moments. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's not just the cost of getting there, but the opportunity cost of not working is that extra bit. You know, like if you to do some of these trails, you need to have a lot of leave or you need to have long service leave to do it. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have them. So it's it's that extra luxury of having the time to actually even get there and do it. Yeah, and it's also... And at the right time of the year. Yeah, it's the opportunity cost as well as do I visit this place now over a couple or a few years' time visiting this place and kind of what do I do first because I've only got a limited budget and limited time and leave and whatnot. So we're going to approach this one as if we've just won lotto and we've got maybe like a year or two to get in some of our dream trails. So do you want to list your five and then I'll list my five? All right. So I've got the John Muir Trail in the US and Zion Narrows also in the US from Zion National Park. I've got, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I think it's called, I think it's pronounced um, Loge Vigur in Iceland. The West Coast Trail in British Columbia and the GR20 in Corsica. Those are five that I really hope that before I, you know, kick the bucket, they're, they're ones I want to do. Yeah, I'm glad you went first. And how about yourself? Because um, I also have the Logervig <laughs> track, or track, sorry, in Iceland. <laughs> I've got the circuit in Torres del Paine in Patagonia. Oh, man, that should have been on my list. Yeah, that one I kind of looked at hikes in south america i'm just like oh my god they're a spoilt for choice there um but that was the the eight yeah. day one that i really want to do got the alta via one which goes through the dolomites in northern italy uh, yep. i can't not now visit the saint olaf's way in norway after we spoke to michelle and she recommended that over the west highland pass and i've also got the john muir trail in the usa we'll uh start with the common ones i'll let you try and pronounce the iceland trek again <laughs> Logger Vigu, I think. Yeah, that's a lot better. Than that's, what I did. That, that sounds that sounds about right yeah. from the way it's spelt. So it's not a um, long trip, yeah. but looks quite awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think you can extend it a bit. Uh, and and you know, if, if I t- were to be honest, I'd say that probably eight an eight day sort of length trail is probably about perfect for me. You know, I'm I'm happy to do longer, but that's that's a good length of time, I think, for. They, generally, I find that trails that are in that length of time are generally more spectacular because they, they seem to be more condensed. So, yeah, and just, you know, you see all those photos of this particular trail with these kind of barren... They, are they like volcanic mountains? Yeah. It's, you know, it's really, really stunning and very different and alien. Yeah, I've heard Iceland be described as like a geological playground, which is pretty apt because you've got like lots of volcanic activity. There's hot springs everywhere probably would miss the northern lights when you'd have to do it because i don't think you can do this one in winter just sounds like a really nice hike and yeah as you said the photos just look epic and just out of this world without being inhospitable so yeah i think yeah as you said eight days is probably ideal because you know you're traveling all the way to a different country you've got to organize your own food and water and whatnot you kind of don't want to be out there for a lot longer 
Yeah, I think that the eight days is like there's a slight extension that you can do. I'm not, I can't remember. I had I had it written down somewhere, but yeah, I remember that figure being five days and fifty four k's for that one. So yeah, I'm sure there's yeah. tons of little expeditions you could do to lengthen that one. Yeah, I think it's a bit like you know the Overland has the it's generally six days, but you can extend it with side trips and stuff like that. Mm. So it's good when you have those kind of trails with the optional stuff. And our other one that we both had on there was the John Muir Trail. I think for, did I'm wondering because we both didn't pick the PCT. Are we not dreaming far enough in terms of like you know? I think we both went for the slightly more realistic version. Yeah, the PCT like it'd be one of those things. It'd be great to knock off. Um, same with the Appalachian Trail, but just the length. It's just a long chunk of your life to commit to it. Which yeah, if, I agree. Yeah, if I've won Lotto and I'm doing all these trails, do I really want to be hiking three and a bit thousand kilometers when I could be experiencing all these other trails all over the world? So that's kind of played in the back of my mind. Which you know, the John Muir Trail is kind of like a best of that section of the PCT. So that's yeah, that's yeah. my reasoning. I'm sure you're kind of thinking along the same lines. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I, I I think as well, and this is something that I think in a future episode of of the show that might be worth actually having a chat about is the you know the reasons that we go hiking and hike your own hike is is quite different to different people, and I think some people really enjoy the the sort of mental stamina and physical stamina of through hiking an extremely long trail. And for me, I think it's more about the beautiful scenery than that particular mental aspect, which um, I think is fair enough. You know, some people get more out of the sort of almost um, meditative quality of walking very long distances. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, I think kind of one thing that they've got with the PCT and the Appalachian and was the other one that's in the Triple Crown? The Continental Divide. Yeah, the Continental Divide. is. It's kind of now got that trophy status. And it's not something I really kind of, yay, I need to tick that off my bucket list or I've done two, I now need to go and do the third. Like, that doesn't really appeal to me. It's like, yeah, as you said, your experience out there and enjoying the trail. Because there was a conversation I saw today about people cooking food on the trail and someone who was ex-military came on and said, yeah, I only, if I'm only going for two or three days, I don't cook my food just because I get it in and it's nutrition. And that's kind of like how you right. can relate a thru-hiker to someone who just you know goes out for a weekend or a few days to enjoy it. Like having a hot meal or a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever, that is like a pleasure that you want on the trail. You're not necessarily thinking in terms of practicality. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's these things that, you know, while I am a bit of a gram shaver, you still want some luxuries, you know, and I, I enjoy having some whiskey at night or having a nice meal. You know, those, those are things that, that you look forward to at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. I think we've got a little bit off track. <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast and maybe we'll get a guest that we've got on the list um, who has done a couple of those long distance trails, just kind of provide a counterpoint yeah. for us being grumbly old men yeah i think i think that would be a good good another episode but yeah as you say let's save that for another day yeah. so did we have any others that we no, i think that was it i'm gonna press you about your g20 in corsica because that one came up on my list and i had to cut it um when we put it down to five so what was your reasoning for including that one so that one is something that i've seen i've seen a fair few photos of and it looks absolutely stunning and looks also a little bit insane um you know there's some like exposed bits at the top of peaks but then i've seen people who are you know quite old doing it who you know who probably you would think maybe it's not quite in the um the fitness level required would not be there for that kind of, of challenge but yeah they've been able to do it fine and also, I think the appeal that it has for me is the idea that I'm using to kind of sell it to Alyssa is that we do that and then we go to Spain and eat for a week afterwards. Yeah. And I think that that would be a really fun holiday where, you know, you, you earn the fact that you can then have delicious food afterwards because you've just done this insanely epic hike in Corsica. Yeah, it's always a good carrot to dangle, although not really carrot, maybe like tapas and wine <laughs> to dangle in front of <laughs> Yeah, I don't... I don't think I'd be having a 10 on a plate there. I think I'd be having uh, tuppers on a plate yeah. there. Or you just have 10, the 10 plates of everything. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that I mean, to be honest, there's there's a whole heap of European trails. Um, Altavia one, which you mentioned, is definitely on my list as well. And uh, and that also has for me the same thing of I would want to go there and then after that go to Modena and eat pasta for a week because I think that would be a great holiday. Or do um, you but, eat pasta before and then you carb load? Hey, true, true. And then you can go somewhere else um, and eat after that. <laughs> yeah, eat, eat before, do the hike, eat some more. Yeah. That sounds sounds really good. Um, yeah, tell, tell me a bit about why you picked the Alta V. I mean, I, I, I know why, in a, in a sense, but um, maybe tell our listeners a bit about it. Yeah, so when I was planning the Europe holiday, we kind of had six days in Italy, and I had a friend suggest, you know, check out these towns that are close to the Dolomites you know it's got really good hiking I think you'd like it so I kind of looked into the area and I was just like wow like that's amazing and it already kind of like it had the Dolomites in the back of my head because Ferrari take their well they used to take their Formula One team there every year as kind of like a holiday before the season started so I'd seen plenty of photos growing up uh, following Formula One so I was like that looks amazing and then I was doing more research I was like oh god if I had to go there I'd want to go there for a long time so it wasn't really feasible just to visit for a day especially with Karis who doesn't do a lot of hiking I don't think she'd enjoy sitting around well, she'd probably enjoy the hot chocolate but she wouldn't enjoy the sitting around waiting for me so we kind of had to cut that um, and ever since I've just mm. like that's been on my list of things to, to do and places to visit yeah, while I was while I've been here in Queensland, there was a guy from Scotland who who came to stay with us for a couple of days, and he'd been out to the Dolomites and he did one of the Via Ferrata. Well, he did several of the Via Ferrata trails up there where you have to clip onto. I think they have like a wire and you can climb up these ropes and it's it's kind of dangerous but then sort of safe at the same time I guess. Mm. And his photos just look so stunning. I think they're a bit of an underrated mountain mountain range because I think everyone seems seems to talk more about the Swiss mountains or you know that kind of side. Yeah. And you hear less about the Alta Via but I think it it looks it has a very distinctive look about it. Yeah, definitely being close to Switzerland and the Swiss or the yeah the French and Swiss Alps. It's kind of yeah, I mean, it's like it's not a poorer cousin because I mean, you look at it and you go, wow, but it's very underrated. And I think they're they're very spoiled in Europe for the choice that they have. That you can have somewhere like the Dolomites that would probably be top billing in Australia if it existed is kind of pushed down the the rankings of greater hikes in Europe. Mm, yep. Yeah. Um, what else did you have on your list there, Mark? At the St. Olive's Way, which is in Norway. Um, that one piqued my interest because Michelle mentioned it and I went back and I read her blog and I read a few other people's accounts of it and it just and it feels like a very fairy tale place and the fact that it is 640k I know I said previously I don't want to spend a lot of time um, hiking if I'm going <laughs> overseas but 640k that's 20 odd days it's not too much and for the scenery yeah, that you less... get like that the payback is there. Yeah, certainly. I, I, that's actually the first time I met Michelle was she did a presentation on the St. Olive's Way at one of the Bibbulmun track Tales from Other Trails nights. And yeah, I was, you know, very impressed. She's she's a good uh, saleswoman for the trail. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, there's lots of history that goes with the trail. And like, you know, just any information board on a trail in WA, I'm riveted to. So to have actual, you know, thousand year old history while you're actually there would just blow my mind so yeah that was a big plus the length wasn't too bad and you know you pick the right season you're going to be hiking in sunshine for you know 12 14 hours a day yeah that sounds good oh and patagonia that was one of my options which you kind of thought you should have on your list as well yeah i i completely spaced on patagonia i can't believe i didn't mention that one because that one is actually I guess maybe it's because it's almost more a reality one because we actually looked into it a few times. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with... I, we haven't... Neither of us included any New Zealand trails, which I think is a, a bit of an omission. I don't know. I kind of think of New Zealand as Australia, just like we're the West Island to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the very large West Island. Yeah, but I think um, New Zealand would be like a separate podcast of dream trails. Oh, yeah. I think, you you know, you could probably write a very, very long blog post or a very long... We could have a very long podcast about New Zealand. And um, I think that you suddenly picked a really good one with the W Trek. Um, the, the photos just look 
ridiculously amazing and that's the thing like if you say wilderness to some people like that's like the last wilderness like there's literally nothing down there so you've got you know mountains and these beautiful lakes and it just there's so much there to enjoy and to photograph as well and because you've got basically no light pollution take the uh yeah. the astrophotography gear out there and you know it's such an epic backdrop to have and also well at least for now there are glaciers which is a, a big thing and i think it's one of those things that we probably all need to get out and see while we can mm, exactly so what was the other two that you had that weren't common yeah, so the other two I had were the Zion Narrows and West Coast Trail. Now, the Zion Narrows isn't a very long trail, and, and when I think of going to do the Zion Narrows, I probably mean that I want to do, you know, probably at least a week to two weeks maybe exploring the national parks in Utah. One of the things that I I think I really appreciated when I went up to Karajini is how different that kind of desert landscape is, and I think Utah... A lot of the photos that I've seen of Utah basically looks like WA but massive. Like everything looks like places that you might see in WA but at a scale that is significantly larger. So you have slot canyons like Karajini and the Zion Narrows are one of these slot canyons but they're much more epic so it's a multi-day hike through a slot canyon and things like that so that's certainly why i really want to go and do the zion narrows and there's a few other hikes there that look incredible i think if you look up on youtube there's a place called the subway and that hike looks ridiculous it looks like the sort of hike that in australia they would not allow you to do because of how dangerous it looks mm. but you know it looks so spectacular and, and friends who have gone there like we have a, um Alyssa and i have have some friends who have said oh if you ever go to utah let me know we will come with you like we, we will make you know we will change our plans you know give us enough notice so that we can we can go with you because they just love it so much so i think zion narrows is you know it, it's on my list as, as a place and i i see it as like this sort of i guess a multi-day caragini which would be you know if i'm talking about a dream trail i'd love to see in wa that would be one so that's that's why that got on my list and it's also a very different landscape to the others and the other one i had was the west coast trail in british columbia which is it's kind of i guess like the south coast track in tassie in that it was designed originally as an escape route for shipwreck sailors but it's now become this very popular trail that it's like the Milford and the Overland where it's this, it's a week long. Well, I mean, Milford's not a week long, but it's one of these trails that is not, not overly long, but it's a multi-day hike that is really popular with people. And it's, I guess it's the sort of trails that more appeals to people who want to do a shorter trail that's more scenic than a long one that's more epic in that length and just the coastal scenery and the forest there just looks so incredible and very different so that would be the reason why i really want to do it and um also i hear there's like some kind of fish shack or some kind of restaurant in the middle of the forest in this wilderness and that, that kind of sounds cool for a trail yeah popping out getting some fish nice meal that's is always a nice way to spend a hike I think just that Pacific Northwest area, talking like Seattle, Portland, British Columbia, that whole area just, I would love to live in Seattle because it rains so much and just spend like weekend after weekend just exploring the area and the trails. It just, it's like a hiker's paradise out there. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's multiple other trails in that area that I could have put in there and, you know, probably picking the West Coast trails a bit um, bit basic but yeah you know I haven't done it yet so it is definitely on the, on the dream trails yeah. list so speaking of like trails you've left off uh, any honourable mentions from you for overseas trails yeah so I guess you know New Zealand is not on the list and there's plenty there that I, w I want to do and I think that we'll probably do a New Zealand episode at some stage so you know obviously the standards like the Milford, the Rootburn Trail Tongariro, Northern Circuit are up there. There's one called the Traverse Sabine that is definitely on my radar as one I want to do. I think that's an eight day, which sounds like a, a nice length of time. Mm. In Canada, there's one called the Chilkoot Trail that goes from Canada, I think, sorry, no, it goes from Alaska into Canada. And you actually cross a, uh, an international border on the trail and there's actually like an immigration hut 
in the middle of the trail, which I think would be an awesome experience. Yeah, you'd hate to like leave your passport like three huts behind <laughs> to go back and get it. Yeah, and then there's a there's a whole heap in in India because like I think a lot of people think of the the Himalayas and they immediately think on the other side in Nepal, but India has a lot and it's actually less. Um, visited so there's places like the Gochala Pass that look really amazing so yeah I mean those are places that are on my list and there's many South American ones that could have easily have been on there and um, yeah I mean what 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 did you have to cut from your list yeah so in terms of South America I was adamant that there's a place called Angel Falls in Venezuela and it's the largest waterfall in the world it's like ridiculously tall and the water by the time it gets to the bottom it's just mist oh really and that's something wow. I always wanted to see and after I visited Costa Rica I was kind of on that like what can I do next kind of mood and that was the one I was gonna do but yeah the I looked at today at World Expeditions because they were the ones that ran I think it was like a four or five day trek to get out there and they no longer offer it so I'm guessing something political has happened in venezuela where they kind of don't want you to go there anymore i know their capital is one of like the crime centers of the world so maybe there was a risk to to get out there yeah that was one isn't um just just sorry to interrupt you but isn't angel angel falls the one that that they based paradise falls in up on yeah so it's kind of there's nearby there's it's just basically a monolith rising out of the the terrain and you're well above the clouds there which is basically kind of like up as well. So yeah, it's like yeah, an alien that's, landscape. That sounds awesome. Yeah, well above everything. So yeah, another one in terms of like not being able to visit politically. There's a few trails in Iran that are quite nice in Iraq, but I would never visit there in this current landscape just because it would just the danger. Like I'm mean, the people are really friendly, and I'm sure I would not run into it much danger out there. It's just the what ifs. Same goes with Turkey. Um, there's a place called the Lycia Way, I think, and that's a long distance trail. And I read the series of books that are kind of like fiction fantasy sorry, non-fiction fantasy about Alexander the Great. And I read them when I was in my early 20s and that kind of sparked my imagination about kind of ancient Greece, Eurasia kind of area. And I'd really like to explore those landscapes, but with everything going on, you know, between Israel, Palestine, Syria, Turkey, you kind of like you're running a big risk to try and do those. So that would take those off the list for me and in terms yeah, of like sure. yeah just normal trails the tour de mont blanc yeah having seen those alps when i was there in june or sorry july um yeah i'd love to go back and do a proper trail um, experience with those the west highland way just because um, my grandparents are from scotland so i'd love to kind of get in touch with my roots and the one that kind of when people start out hiking or what inspires them to start hiking is many People have tales from the Camino de Santiago that they've heard. Um, so that would be another one. There's kind of like a, I don't know, like a rite of passage for a long distance traveler. Yeah, I think the Camino is something that I, I've always envisioned doing one day, but when I'm older, because it looks like a trail that you can do when you're older and, and do it quite comfortably. Kind of like what you were saying about the West Arthurs being something to do now. Hmm. I think that that's the same thing with the Camino. It's something to do later. Yeah. And that is actually the perfect segue onto the next topic, which is our hiking movies. So this one, we're not kind of going to specifically talk about movies that involve hiking, but movies that we think of when we think about hiking or we like to watch or associate with hiking. That's kind of how I did. I'm not sure if you did the same, Don. Yeah, I I think pretty much the same. I mean, I think three of mine are definitely straight up about hiking. One of them is about hiking, but people probably don't think of it as that. And one of it, one of them is not at all really about hiking. Yeah, I've kind of got the same. All right, do you want to just list yours, and I'll list mine, and then we'll kind of get into excuses and why we why we pick <laughs> yeah. them. Okay, so I had Ken Burns, the National Parks, America's Best Idea, which is not about hiking. I had Mile Mile and a Half, which is a documentary sort of diary on the John Muir Trail. The Way, which is about the well, someone on the Camino, Wild, which I think everyone has seen, and the greatest hiking movie of all time, The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Okay, so I also have Lord of the Rings, and I've put Lord of the Rings slash The Hobbit just because you know, they're kind of related, and I'll explain why, even though one is not greater than the other. 
I also had The Way, which is, yeah, Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez, epic about the Camino, and that was kind of the only real hiking movie on my list. I had Harry Potter as well, all the movies. I'm a bit of a Harry Potter nerd, but I'll explain that one a little bit later. A weird one I had was Australia, the Baz Luhrmann epic. And my last one was Moonrise Kingdom by Wes Anderson. Oh, great choice there, Mark. Great choice. So I guess we'll start with uh, the common ones. We'll save Lord of the Rings. We'll go with The Way. And I'm guessing you picked it for the same reason that I did, is that it's about the Camino and it's got hiking in it as the main kind of tool in the movie. Yeah, and I think, you know, compared to other films that I've seen about hiking, I think what what I really love about it is, you know, you the main story is about Martin Sheen and, you know, he's he's going to walk this this trail after, you know, a family disaster. But it became, you know, became more than just that. It became about the other people that he met along the way. And it's probably the only hiking film I've seen that really captures the camaraderie and friendship that you develop with strangers on a trail. And that's something that I really love because having walked the Bibbleman between Bailing Up and Pemberton with the same group of people, we had that kind of relationship building up over that time. And that's something that I think is really interesting to see on on film. Yeah, definitely. And I think as an avid YouTube watcher of people who talk about movies, I'm really sorry to say we haven't given you the no-spoiler warnings. So if you haven't seen the movie, maybe we will be talking about some plot details, but yeah, just cover your ears if uh, or skip forward if you've not seen one particular movie. Yeah, I did try to keep it a bit yeah. vague, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> we'll put that warning out there for them. Um, yeah, so the way, I mean, it's, yeah, as you said, it captures that camaraderie and it's in a way that's kind of not cutifying it. They're like there's ups and there's downs and they get into fights and but in the end they're all kind of on that same journey and that's what bonds them and I think yeah that's what drew me to the movie and putting it on my list after seeing it just like it's a true representation of um, long distance hiking even though it's on the Camino where you're staying in you know churches and bunk houses and eating every day at restaurants and cafes it's you know you still got your pack on your back and the way you would hike the Camino anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, um, you know, I think the, the point of comparison, which we, bo- we both didn't have on our list, was A Walk in the Woods, which is, was, it came out around the same time, didn't it? Yeah, like 2010-ish, maybe. Yeah, um, but I found A Walk in the Woods, while, while very funny and enjoyable, I didn't have the same, I think because they basically just hiked together, and I know they had like a fr- a friend who came along, you know, someone who 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 hung out with them for a while. But I felt it was less true to that feeling that I get of the camaraderie that you you have on a long trail. Yeah, I've not seen this one. I've not actually seen a lot of the hike, like the traditional hiking movies. So my list was kind of hard to pick. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly one that I've looked at, and I've got it saved on Netflix. I just haven't got around to it. But yeah, as you said, kind of just reading what the movie was about, I was just like, oh, I've already seen the way. I'm not sure how this will compare. So yeah, listening to you describe it, I might leave that one for an off day in winter, maybe. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, we'll get on to the epic then, Lord of the Rings. Yep. It doesn't actually have the a lot of... greatest through-hiking film of all time. Yeah. All time. It doesn't actually have a lot of hiking in it when you think about it. Sure it does. The whole of, the whole of like, the two towers... No, that's... that's is, is, like, them walking. That's not walking. That's them trail running. Melina would be proud of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. In, in the films... I mean, in, in the book, you know, in, um, in Tolkien's book, in the index, uh, the appendix at the end, it puts it out in a timeline, and it takes forever. But in, in the movie, it seems like it's so easy. Yeah. Like you're just wearing a complete suit of armor with all your weapons. It's like, yep, no worries. We're just going to keep running through this barren landscape <laughs> in no side of a town or whatever. And the poor, poor Gimli, he's a dwarf. He's, you know, short sprints at his thing. He's not long distance. But the whole thing is basically a journey that is, you know, very similar to through hiking. It is about, you know, starting in one place and finishing at another place. And it seems a bit like the Appalachian Trail or the Larapinta where you can finish at a mountain. Yeah, it certainly was an ad for New Zealand, uh, especially Fellowship, where there's that kind of long montage of them just walking everywhere as a fellowship. <laughs> kind of, here, here's a mountain, and <laughs> yeah. then next scene, we, you know, we're looking on these grassy plains, and then, you know, we're near the Mines of Moria now. It's, yeah. I mean, if they had that as, if the tail roll was like that, then New Zealand would just be packed with hikers all the time. 
Well, even more so than it yeah, is I now. Think, yeah, I think the TRO is a bit disappointing if you were expecting the Lord of the Rings. Um, but I hear the Tongariro Northern Circuit part, which is basically the whole journey to Mordor. So like through those, you know, through that sort of barren volcanic landscape right up to Mount Doom itself is all part of the Tongariro Northern Circuit. So that certainly would be reasonable enough for a nerd like you or I to go and and do that one. that'd be pretty cool. Although in the books, like walking through Mordor and getting to Mount Doom isn't like it is in the movies. It's not just, you know, a quick jaunt. It's quite a struggle for them to get there so maybe that was like you between like collie and bailing up and some of the other sections between dwelling up and collie <laughs> just a struggle for you yeah burnt jarrah through the the um the burnt jarrah forest i couldn't recall the taste of strawberries anymore sam you know <laughs> had that same experience when when they're just about to finish and and you know get to the top and and frodo almost can't can't do it anymore and then sam carries him up to the yeah. top was that was a list yeah, of that, sam that's that, that's how I felt in the, on the last day walking into Bailing Up. You know, I was I had um, my plantar fasciitis was playing up, and I was so bored of the forest. And Alyssa was, I guess, my Samwise in that circumstance. I completely understand. I can imagine Alyssa like, "Come on, Don, not far," and then put you on your back. Yep. Although I didn't like get to the end and then go, "No, I'm not throwing this ring in into the uh, into the volcano." Yeah. But at least you didn't. I was glad yeah, to finish it. At least it. someone didn't bite your finger off at the end. That's true. That is very yeah. true. Now I also had the Hobbit on mine, and and I know that they're objectively terrible movies, but there is actually more to the Hobbit in terms of like a hiking movie than I think Lord of the Rings, because they do act like he's going on an adventure, which is kind of like when you first getting into hiking, that's that's your feeling like, yes, I'm going to go do all of this. And then he kind of wises up and this isn't how it's supposed to be. And you get to see a little more of Middle Earth than you do in Lord of the Rings. So I kind of included that on there. Yeah, I guess the, I guess the journey that Bilbo goes on where he's, you know, sort of, basically a real homebody and then he discovers a, a bit more to himself than he thought was there is, is i guess like hiking you know you do find more strength than you probably thought you had yeah exactly and you know you take out those silly video game scenes and you know the bones of the movie aren't bad it's just they decide to make three of them instead of one yeah a bit a bit much i yeah. think Okay, so we'll get on to the movies that we both didn't pick. I'll let you go first. Um, you got a couple of hiking-related ones I'll let you talk about a bit more. Yeah, so I picked um, Wild, which is probably a little bit of a very obvious choice. But I think that Wild has been, you know, wildly influential, extremely influential. And I, th- I think one of the things that both you and I can probably say, if you look at the statistics of followers for... Life of Pi and Long Ways Better, and it pr- does skew quite significantly towards female. Would you agree? Yeah, I think looking at the demographics from Google Analytics, between the ages of like 24 and 40, something, whatever the cutoff is, like 70% of my audience are female in that category. Yeah, and I'd say it would be identical for me, pretty much. And I think a lot of it has been that hiking is due, due to films like Wild, which has been influential um, in terms of getting women outdoors, it is an outdoor activity that is becoming in- increasingly driven, I guess, by, by women. And this, so this film, beyond being, you know, it's, it's a good hiking movie and it's maybe not the best hiking movie, but it was an enjoyable one. But it's one that I think has captured the imagination of people and it has really helped in a, in a huge gen- gender shift, you know, in terms of representation of, of women in the, this outdoor activity. And, you know, you look at, I think I've, I was reading um, a master plan for a cycling project that was looking to be built in, in Perth and they were saying that, oh, you know, we're trying to get more women outdoors. And I was thinking, yeah, but hiking's already doing that. Mm. So, you know, like women really are, I think, you know, when I think about going out hiking, you see a much better gender balance out there on the trails in terms of, of hiking than you do in some other outdoor activities. Yeah, and I think planners of these types of things maybe think, oh yeah, like hiking and bushwalking, that's predominantly an old person thing and maybe male as well. Whereas the actual truth is it's women just looking to get out. It's a 
relatively safe um, and great way of getting outside without, you know, the boys' club of, like, maybe mountain biking or trail bike riding or whatever. No, you're, you're right. You know, it's, I think the, the stereotype is sort of the old bushy with the massive beard um, with, you know, sort of gear that, that is from the 1970s that he's still using. But that's probably far from the reality, at least of people who follow our blogs. I think that it's more definitely, I'd say, as you say, 20s to 40s uh, female that are the, the main people going out and, and actually doing the research on these trails. Mm. And it's good that kind of Hollywood with the state that it's in now with the Me Too kind of campaign going on, that there was a movie like this made. It's not like a reactionary thing yeah. to what's going on now. It was, this is a tale we need to get out. Um, and I'm glad that they did because it's kind of, yeah, you wouldn't think that anyone would green light that because it'd be a bit of a risky project. Yeah, and it was wildly successful. Yeah. As Maybe it was all <laughs> yeah. in the title. <laughs> yes, no pun intended. Yeah. My other hiking movie that I had was Mile, Mile and a Half. Now, it's um, it's not it's a documentary, nominally, but really it's it's basically a video diary that that some people made while they did the John Muir Trail. And while I don't think, as far as a narrative, it's it's always super compelling. You, it's the sort of film that is so stunningly beautiful because I think the five people who made it were all artists. You can almost have it on in the background and just go, wow, um, that's something I really want to do because the landscapes through California and all those mountains there just look so incredible that it made me want to just go, like, oh, I want to do the John Muir Trail next year after seeing it. And I think it's on Netflix. It used to be at least, but it's uh, definitely worth seeking out if you want to be inspired to go outdoors. Yeah, definitely have to watch that one before going on maybe a multi-day hike just to amp me up that little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And what was the final movie on your list? Okay, so the final one was Ken Burns, The National Parks, America's Best Idea, which is a multi-part documentary about the history of national parks in the US and how this idea, which has been called America's best idea, came into being. So, I mean, I think Australia were second in the world after the after the US when they came up with the concept of the national park. And it's just really interesting to watch and very inspiring. You know, I, I didn't know as much about John Muir until watching this documentary. And it just makes you realize how much of a of a hero he was in a lot of ways to, you know, to modern conservation would probably not have existed in the same way it did um, had he not been as um, poetic and influential as he was. And to then have the, the ear of, of, of a quite a visionary president in someone like Teddy Roosevelt. And that that's sort of like the major sort of part of the National Park story is the story of these two men and the other people who are surrounding it who then carried the torch into the 20th and 21st centuries and you know I, I love national parks so this was a great film to watch and you know a lot of sort of oh i want to go there i want to go there i want to go there oh that looks really good i want to go there just throughout the the whole series yeah, and that's what you want out of a hiking film is that inspiration um but in terms of john Muir, like it's as we discussed in episode five with siwa o'connor it's just like a man well out of his time and Oh, yeah, definitely. Like just the yeah. quotes that you know he's attributed to, whether some of them are real or not, he just had a severe love of you know nature and trying to preserve that. So yeah, as you said, good that we had someone back then when things weren't quite as they are now. Even though Donald Trump is taking away the national park system in America, yeah, just we need more people like him fighting for for nature and national parks absolutely and and i think it's it's crazy to think that you know republicans were the people who who basically created you know the idea of national parks mm. and that they were you know like conservation and conservative was actually not that um separated as it is now where, where conservatives are, seem to be completely you know divorced from con conservation especially in the u.s yeah well there's also another podcast we can get into because it's not too far from the truth in australia either like politics and the environment are just they don't go hand in hand at the moment so it's something we can no. discuss a bit later on yeah for sure i think that that would be a, a great chat yeah. to have so the three movies that i had that you didn't have so i'll go with the first one harry potter of course, yeah, you'd have, Harry, course Potter, have Harry Potter, Mark. <laughs> and there's a very vague link there that in Deathly Hallows, they do a lot of camping 
and in yeah the goblet of fire um there's the introduction to the tent that harry walks through and it's just you know an expanded tent within a small tent that kind of like i started watching harry potter like i didn't read the books didn't watch the movies when they first came out i we were or this is how old this is um and how old i am we had the quick flicks (laughs) um subscription so before, oh before, God, quick yeah, before Netflix came along, you couldn't just stream stuff. You had to go onto the website and say, I want that DVD and that DVD, and then they post them out, and then you return them and get more and so on and so forth. So I went through the Harry Potter collection like that. So it was always you watch one, then you have to wait a few days to get the next one. And it was kind of winter time, and I was getting back into hiking again. And I know I just kind of like attributed Harry Potter to like my love of the forest and then as I've started hiking a lot more I've got the audio books and I you know do watch the movies more than I probably should um, especially in winter (laughs) I do enjoy coming back from a hike and putting Harry Potter on with a bottle of red wine and yeah I think uh, Karis is not enjoying that as much as I am these days (laughs) Um, so for the listeners at home where has the sorting hat put you it's put me in a couple of different places. When I first did it, it put me in Gryffindor. But now that I'm getting more into my hiking, I'm a Hufflepuff. I did it again and it put me in Hufflepuff. So I'm quite happy with that. And then, you know, you've got a few good role models in Hufflepuff like uh, Newt Scamander, who also is the name of my car, my new X-Trail, and Cedric Diggory. I mean, even though he was played by Robert Pattinson, who will always be associated with Twilight, um, he was a good example of Hufflepuff done well. Have you yeah. done the, the sorting hat um, test online, Don? Um, I think you were there when I did, Mark, and I completely failed because I was clicking the wrong things at the wrong time and I wasn't quite sure what I did and it won't let me redo it. Alyssa would always say that I was definitely a Gryffindor while she's a Hufflepuff. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably in that kind of category of, of being between Gryffindor and Slytherin in terms of being probably a little <laughs> bit vin, a little bit vindictive towards... Um, you know people who who have betrayed me so yeah you know like yeah you know like my, like my my views about um people who have set fire to the forests i i guess my, my, what i'm saying is that I, I i do believe in justice and i often think that justice should be swift and tough so that's probably i would put you in where I, like I, that would be hufflepuff caring about nature but then that would be gryffindor yep doing the right thing and being brave and heroic like unless you're doing what you said last time about the hung drawn and quartered in mundaring i wouldn't put you in any kind <laughs> yeah. of slytherin camp because i guess that's that's where the slytherin part would come in when I, i'd be like no they should be really punished for what they've done yeah you access the uh the defense against the dark arts but reverse it and just channel that and just get angry and angrier you can turn them into your horcruxes <laughs> yeah. there you go yeah <laughs> Okay, um, what were the other ones that you yep, had? so a Mark? bit of a weird one, um, Australia, the Baz Luhrmann epic. Um, this one I'd seen, like, the first half, and it kind of piqued my interest because, like, it's got the Kimberley and it's got, you know, the the highlights of what, um, you know, Hollywood thinks Australia is. And then I watched it while I was out on the Billman track one night. Um, I had a lot of movies on my phone, so this was one, one night, and I kind of really enjoyed it. And there is, like, a... A walkabout kind of section where they have to get back to Darwin with all the cattle and everything and it's just a good Australian movie like it's more tinsel and glitz than kind of substance but you know it's not a bad movie that's pretty much Baz Luhrmann's wheelhouse though isn't yeah it? it's style and glitz over substance yeah, flash over um yeah plot and characters and development and everything and then my last one is Moonrise Kingdom I'm a bit of a Wes Anderson nerd as well I love all of his movies, everything he's done, I'm kind of, yeah, I watch them over and over again. But Moonrise Kingdom's kind of struck a bit more of a hiking chord because it is the scouts and they do go on a bit of a journey and there's lots of like map references and geography and everything in there. And I just kind of, I like his quirky sense of humor and like kind of style of storytelling. And the more I watch them, yeah. the more I enjoy them. They're not just like one trick ponies that, you know, you laugh at a few jokes and then that's it. 
Like, there's a, a lot of depth to his movies, and Moonrise Kingdom wasn't always one of my favourites, but it's starting to become, like, right up there in terms of ranking his movies these days, which is a, a topic I could discuss all day. Yes, um, me too. I mean, I'd, I'd say it's in my top three. For you, would it be... Up yeah, it would or? probably be ranked third mm. behind the Jarling Limited and Life Aquatic. Mm, interesting, because I really dislike Life Aquatic, but Darjeeling would also be in my top three, and the other one would be round, rounding it out would be Tenenbaums. Yeah, that was my first Wes Anderson film, and that's, yeah, quite enjoyable. Also kind of quite confronting to watch, again, again, knowing what happens to some of the characters. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. I have to put an honourable mention in there for Grand Budapest. Which kind of I was really excited for, which probably may drop it down the list because I had it hyped up. And it, it was a, it's a good movie. It's just kind of getting Wes Anderson into that like comic book kind of you pin down to a style as he gets older because it was his latest um, live action movie. Mm, and I think as well, it came after Moonrise Kingdom, which to me was a masterpiece. Mm. So, you know, it was a bit, a bit of a letdown, even though it, it is in itself a fantastic movie. It's just not as good as some of the yeah. others. So that about sums up our Dream Trails and Hiking Movies pod. This has been a fun one, I think, Mark. You know, it's nice to do one that's a bit more of a, I guess, a bit of a chinwag, even though we're on the other sides of the continent. Yeah, it's kind of, it's been fun to have people in in the studio, but yeah, I kind of miss just talking hiking and it's, yeah, even though we're not in the same room, it's just, it felt like we were. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice to, to geek out about this kind of thing. Yeah, um, definitely. And suddenly makes me feel inspired to go out and do some more hiking. Yeah, same. I might watch some Harry Potter this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks with a pod on the Bilman, I think. Which section are we doing next? We're doing Collie to Bailing Up with a special guest. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>